Welcome to Nameless Debate Radio, where radioactivity is contagious. You can join us in broadening our minds on the Nameless Debates Discord via the link below, and even feature here yourself, if you've got what it takes. What is up, my dude? Just hanging out, bud. Actually just throwing images together, and trying to get yeah. back into a creative spirit. That's the stuff, man. Right. So yeah, man. I had uh, I just finished your the the last like YouTube upload. Of, mm-hmm. I I don't. You said the guy's name was Dama. Yeah, D I M A. Okay, I thought it was Dharma at first. I was like, okay, I, I could see that. Um, but yeah, dude, that was like a really good three hours <laughs> worth of listening. Yeah, dude. I was I was gripped by the entire conversation. Yeah, he's extremely bright, eh? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, he's the kind of guy that, like, when I... Like, when you and I first started chatting, I always had wished that I had brought that kind of, like, education to the table. Because he's, he's definitely educated on the whole formality of dialectic and so diplomatic, even. Like... <laughs> I love the part where you're like, if this guy, well, you just said something about you being the biggest asshole, and it was like the funniest thing. <laughs> that part was like, because he was so careful and cautious with trying to make sure that you guys were treating like everything with like enough care and caution, so as to not like over talk or. It was just good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Combo. One of the things I wanted to, I think, say, because, like, when, where you guys left off, I think he actually, he characterized the discrepancy from his perception to uh, what he basically surmised as your position. Uh, he said it was like a, a, like an element of belief was in play for him. Mm-hmm. I think that that was kind of accurate in terms of where he presently resided with how he was relating to the arguments. I think he was actually talking about himself at the time. Yeah, that's and I he was he was doing. I thought he he was clear on that point. Mm-hmm. Um, that most people aren't that clear when it comes to how they they're reaching to understand something, but they realize. Uh, the nature of the problem that's kind of blocking them from standing where you're standing, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So he had characterized it as like an element of belief and, or uh, what was it? You guys were using the word mystical. Mm-hmm. Okay. And partly it was that he like has been developing his view for a while, you know? Yeah. And he has studied this kind of thing. And I know he has, because I've read what, like a paper that he's written on like these this collection of um, like ancient Vedic poems that are like about metaphysics, but like they they don't make much sense much sense in my opinion. But it goes like it's a really interesting paper that he wrote. It's like he talks about like the context of the like uh, like object in which they're collected for a bit, and then um, like he deconstructs it. It's really yeah, it's really interesting. That sounds that sounds really like I definitely want to read I'll, that. I'll link I'll link you to it, man. Does he come on often? Um, he's been on a couple of times, but okay. I've been, I was only free the first time. That's the I man, I love listening to the start of that conversation because <laughs> yeah. like I know that when he gets it right, he's going to be so polished at like you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the, the whiteness thing, man, that, that just needs a bit of fine tuning. That was really, really strong. Right. It's, it reminds me of the, how many grains is a heap? Uh, yeah, problem. dude. It's yeah, but it's like, it's, yeah, but it's more, it's more eloquent. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know yeah. that he really addressed my wetness concern. <laughs> no, he didn't. You but, guys you kinda, there was, there was quite a bit of like what I, what I caught the smell of is like something like, red herring kind of fallacies were going on? Uh, and, I'm not so sure. I felt like he was actually arguing, like, in uh, good faith. It was just that 
like he was going, he's saying like, this is what like academically I understand it to be. And like other people do actually agree with this. You know what I mean? And it was like, I'm like, yeah, but like, <laughs> you know, I don't. And the word doesn't actually like make a lot of sense here. Oh yeah. Which, the is, hypo- like a, which is like a classic me objection. You know what I mean? Right. The hypostasis part, right? Yeah, 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 whatever. Or hypostasis. Yeah, Yeah, I I don't don't know. know Anyway, (laughs) I feel like it would be hypostasis and hypostases on on second thought. Yeah, hypostasis Um, or hypostasis. I don't think think it would be sped up like that. Okay. (laughs) Um, But yeah. No, it's a great discussion, man. It really was. He's definitely he's definitely practiced the dialectic a lot. You can tell that that's that was self evident for sure. And yeah, I think absolutely. in terms of where where it came, became red herring ish was like uh, when you would try to address him uh, as answering the question about reality emanating from the mind, so to speak, mm-hmm. and he he kind of kept changing the scent and restating something about his position that wasn't really, I couldn't quite gather what he was saying. Cause I'm like, I don't know if I've ever had the same exact thoughts that he's having about this. Mm-hmm. Like the, the nature of, of his objections weren't quite clear to me. Uh, and it, I'm, I'm just learning how to recognize logical fallacies. So I'm forgive me if I'm like overzealous and trying to call him, but mm-hmm. like uh, it, it sounded to me like what seemed like a red herring the way that he avoided the question or would he wouldn't answer it directly. Essentially he danced around the the topic somehow. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say. I definitely, I haven't like listened back to it properly yet. I definitely think that he did that a little bit, but I also got the distinct feeling that um, he was in, he was quite interested in all the things we were saying to him. Absolutely. And he followed along very well, but when he Better when we got to, when we got to pieces of it that, that contradicted his uh like what what would you say meditated on conclusions? Yeah, you know what I mean. It, he mm-hmm. just sort of he did a bit of a human thing, and uh, I'm not opposed to that. Lots of people do that for sure. It's completely understandable, and I think that's what I wanted to talk about. Is that mm-hmm. I I was talking with Harmony about it when I. Uh, was listening to it and I just paused and I was like, can I just spit something at you? Cause she, like I, she has helped me kind of punctuate at least thinking out loud certain mm-hmm. aspects of data logical thinking, because I've created a whole paragonal relationship with her that mm-hmm. in one way or another, she can at least kind of like track my, my tone about things, let's say. Mm-hmm. So, I, I put it as Matt has this uh, position that you can have an absolutely certain pixel of truth that you never ever have to waver on. It's just he, he knows that he can embody that point. And then uh, when people encounter that point, what ends up happening is that invariably, like that point is what I'm calling just the the common ground. It's just, that's the ground we're standing on. And some people, it's as if they don't realize that they could stand there too. If they were to kind of mirror and copy what you're doing, Mm -hmm. but what they end up doing in order to invalidate what it is that you're doing, maybe to test it, maybe to like kick the tires of the vehicle you're in. Mm -hmm. uh, Almost certainly to do that because that's human nature, right? Totally, like I gotta, I gotta check this. I'm and skepticism is a very yeah, valid yeah. Way to... And it's like, man, that's one of the things that I go over. Like the new introduction is long, man. I'm really happy with it to the paper. Yeah. And yeah, that's one of the things I go over. I go over like skepticism, and I have this example about uh, atheism and antitheism. And I say like, well, you know, atheism is um. It's reasonable. All you're saying is that you mm-hmm. don't accept that they have evidence for the positive claim, right? And then right. anti-theism is like skepticism in excess, right? It's like, I think it's so improbable that I'm actually going to make the negative claim. And it turns out that you're not actually allowed to do that, right? Like, True. it's not appropriate. It is inappropriate, for sure. Mm-hmm. 
given and the information a, we have. Exactly. And then there's the presuppositionalist excess of skepticism, right? Which is like they try to sort of like uh, claim that if you don't admit to knowing things for certain, then you don't admit then you admit to not knowing things at all. They yeah. create this false dichotomy, you know what I mean? Huge leap right there. And, and again, yeah, that's our excess of skepticism, right? They're like, mm -hmm. well, like, okay, so like if you're going to take that leap and you're going to submit to the endless skepticism, you have no way out. You don't know anything, you know what I mm -hmm. mean? And it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. Oh, man. Well, that's where I, I, I want to start kind of, I think I need to start tracking and using and being consistent with how I'm uh, going to utilize the word pataphysics in these, mm -hmm. in these conversations. I definitely think that's a good idea, man. And that way you can help me because I think I personally had an unacknowledged red herring fallacy mechanism just running ignorantly in the background of my whole fucking psyche. But, okay, so just quickly explain yeah. what you think a red herring fallacy is. Because I think it's uh, I, okay. So I, I know a little bit of the story of what it's about, but it's mm -hmm. it's something to do with kind of going off the trail of the question at hand. So you you kind of change the topic or answer a question that's if we're talking about like uh, all bachelors are single, and then you talk about I don't know some kind of pickup artist instead of a bachelor. It's kind of a red herring to go on to the, a tangent about pickup artists instead of bachelors. Yeah, that's basically, yeah, basically. Okay, and that's just what came to mind right now. But um, mm. I, I think I've done that in terms of like at least the semantic level of the way I'll use my words to try to nudge people into the space where I'm comfortable with the, with the language, like. I do prefer to use the word transcendent over mystical. So I try to lean into that avenue. But mm -hmm. then I realize that if I go into transcendent, I'm opening up this whole realm of like psychedelic interpretations that can really be quite annoying to deal with people uh, in oh, that regard. Man. I mean, I, <laughs> you could just, like, I have the argument that collapses that one. Nice. Let's, I mean, throw it out here. Okay, well, it's basically, you know, all all things that you would call mystical experiences are you misinterpreting what's happening to you and often involve hallucination or delusion. Mm -hmm. And, like, every time that you say you have this, like, authentic experience that, you know, such and such is true and it's one of those things where, like, it's a common experience, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. then there's a reductive explanation for it. So, for instance, like, people say that when they have a psychedelic experience, they, like, meet a transcendent being, right? They, like, come right. across, like, God, and God tells them all about reality, and you know what I mean, and blah, 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 but they can't really explain to you what they mean, you know what I mean? Right. And so, like, that kind of thing, that's really actually quite simple. What it is, is it's someone getting so fucked up on drugs that they can't recognize anything, not even themselves, and they encounter within themselves their own ego, and they go, I don't recognize this thing. Mm -hmm. And then they have a conversation with it without recognizing that that's what they are. You know what I mean? Like it's this, For sure. It's this profound confusion about about what's going on that leads them to think that that could possibly be God. But the only reasonable conclusion is that, well, that is their own, like, you know, their idea of themselves talking to themselves, essentially. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, what else could it be? Well, it's, I mean, it. I think it's so level-headed and sane to, even if that weren't true, to assume it's true just for the sake of sanity and then try mm -hmm. to try to prove it wrong in whatever way you had to. Yeah, it's a but. psychological archetype, though. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. we personify our, like, our ego is the judge. You know what I mean? It's yeah. watching what we're doing, saying what we're doing is right or wrong. And in a psychedelic experience especially, you're sort of, like, confronting the parts of yourself that are inadequate. Yeah, you know oh, what I mean? It's like you come, yeah, you come across this like thing that idealizes you properly, 
and it says like you're not good enough and you feel like this being is like transcendent yep. and it tells you all about the world because well as it turns out anything counts as that when you have no fucking clue what's going on <laughs> right. you know what i mean anything like, knows I, more than you if you're already uncertain about everything yeah dude exactly oh that's so good though because right there man that seems to get at the heart of why something like a god and an ultimate judge is even projected in the first place mm-hmm. like as as like a a tool that helped the psychology of early developing uh nations and uh people Absolutely. and tribes and also something to aspire towards to embody mhm and to make it consistent and have its judgments be actually ju- judicious and mm-hmm. Correspond to convince to, people to follow the fucking rules. <laughs> yeah, exactly, like a rule, a, a basic rule extruders. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. extruder. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So that then kind of like that's you did mention that in that chat about how it's like the subconscious made manifest almost. Mm-hmm, absolutely, man. Isn't that what psychedelic meant? Like mind manifesting originally. Uh, yeah, pretty much. I'm not sure on the exact translation. That's definitely close to it. Yeah, it's like, I don't remember exactly either. It was something around that ballpark, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the idea, though, that we approximate the laws of nature and update those laws of nature, like, that seems to me like we're updating I'll our update perception them of how? that. That we update our yeah, perception. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. We're not ever updating the laws of nature as if we're like chiseling away at marble. And man, it's so it's so crazy to me that we have to make that distinction, like articulate it. You know what I, I mean? Because it's like, well, like it seems so intuitively obvious to me that like what we think of the laws of nature would not be. You know what I mean? Like, when you, like, refine your understanding of the laws of nature, you're not actually, like, changing the way reality is. That seems like such a superstitious supposition, don't you think? It seems like it's a type of um, informed space of superstition in the mind. That, like, what used to be superstitious (laughs) and ascribe uh, maybe spiritual and... Uh, I don't know what to call it, but like angels and demons and all the different like kind of ways that you could narrate what's going on Uh in reality. It seems like that part of the human mind or brain got superstitious about reality instead of religion. Does that make sense? I'm kind of, that's a confusion right there, but. No, that actually makes sense. Okay, help me untangle it, because I, I threw it out there because I'm using... It's like you're saying, like, it's a, a conflation of the idea of, like, nature and the idea of God, right? Because instead of saying that um, God... Like, instead of explicitly talking about the fact that you think God is this ultimate being that created everything, mm-hmm. instead what you're doing is you're conceptualizing nature as a, as a being that just... Mm-hmm. You have some associated beliefs about it, but like it has like uh like it's similar to a god, you know what I mean? Like it's temperamentally a- analogous, and like yeah. that's like essentially the the reason that you're thinking about it that way. Yeah, and I think it would help, especially a, a primitive mindset, relate to it if it were more anthropomorphized or humanized in some way. Absolutely, man. Otherwise, it's just this huge abstraction that uh if you're just trying to you know hunt and gather and pass on your seed for the next generation that kind of stuff is not really top priority just Mm, needs to be listen to the to the thing that tells you what's good and bad Mm -hmm. right from wrong so yeah i guess that what i was trying to get at then is along the lines of we've repurposed this um superstitious architecture in our brains uh as modern humans to now be superstitious about the things that allowed us to evolve in the first place like 
it seems like a misplaced application of skepticism, essentially. And maybe superstition is not the right word, but skeptical about the laws. No, of because nature. it's like it's skepticism that leaps to superstitious justification for certainty. Oh, dude, thank you. That's what I was missing. Okay, yeah, leaps to is definitely the thing that I'm experiencing when mm-hmm. I hear some of the. Uh, they're, they're just like stretches. Yeah, the pre, the pre-sup argument for sure. It's like okay, you, you don't know anything, but guess what? I do. I know everything because I know this one thing that's absolutely true. And it's like, well, pretty sure nobody knows that. <laughs> you know what I right. mean? Like that's the basic back and forth. Yeah, uh, and even when someone like you comes along that tries to just have a dialectic on how it would look or seem if someone did. Like you're mm-hmm. you're the guy that's standing on that stage, and holding down the the fort pretty much better than most. Uh, I try. No, and you do well, man. But it's even then we it's not like we can't be skeptical about the fact that uh, Insync has this. He has this rhetoric, and it seems you know waterproof. It's not going to leak any water. Uh, but for one reason or another, people could still scratch their head about it, and. I think it's because, like, as Dama, I think he put it well in the end there, that your, the distance from him to you is a leap for him personally. Therefore, Mm -hmm. he needs to acquaint himself deeper with the entirety of what it is you're saying. Yeah. And he, he can really fucking follow. Like, he knows how to, how to do the dialectic and. Yeah, dude. That's like, it's so encouraging to see that after so many, oh, dude, what was that other guy <laughs> I kept interjecting about the nothingness? We make it somethingness by talking about it. God, that um, guy, uh, I forget his name, but he always just plays a recording every time about nothingness and it's dark, not dark. Um, oh, do you mean the other praise up? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? No, it's not. It's uh, Death Spell Omega. That's it. Yep. That was it. That yeah. He plays a recording out of yeah, his mouth. Yeah, dude. He, he's like time. a fucking ideological... Like, he's ideologically possessed by demons, man. That seems... Yeah. Like... I mean, I, he does not seem fully he's a fucking. He is chattering. It's yes. crazy. And he, he, he thinks he knows something which is probably the hardest spell to like to break help someone break yeah yeah in themselves absolutely you really have to just be open to that humility and uh what is it uh the possibility that you could be wrong if, mm-hmm. if you can't open up to that at least in the way that dude and you guys did so well too you and dama when you you kept on showing uh what was it you said, just for the sake of our argument, how we can use what we've just established as, like, it, whether it was a cogito or whether it was, uh, you guys, like, Chris was doing well with just talking about structure. Um, but I, I was waiting for him to drop the data part of it, and he didn't get to it. But then you came in at the end and dropped in data. But no one made the connection of data logic as maybe a replacement for transcendence. Well, I mean, they're like equivalent, essentially. They are, and it's it's probably more uh, clear-headed to go in the data-logical direction than the transcendent. But mm-hmm. transcendence definitely connects in like a... If you stay there and keep trying to I find like, the more I, fundamental I, I, reduction. I don't know, man. I'm poetic enough to, to be willing to see to transcendence. Data-logic oh, sure. is transcendent. Like, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it as the basis of transcendence that accords any of that ineffable quality that we all experience that seems so mystical and difficult to English that once you get down to it, it really is just like you're looking at like an impossible object, like a Penrose triangle or some Escher staircase type thing. And Uh the fact that we can imagine that, that's actually what I realized in terms of my own kind of path into data logic was that 
because I had already accepted that imagination was predominantly one of the major problems in terms of communication, mm -hmm. people imagining certainty where really just incomplete information was ideologically possessing ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, like that is the cause of most disagreement that what we could just call the truncated frame of reference that doesn't question its, I guess, uh, contents as being irrelevant. To I think that's a clever name, man. The truncated frame of reference? Yeah, dude. It, it works if we keep that theme going. Uh, because it's an easy <laughs> trunk as well to fit into. Mm -hmm. Like, all ideas are of that same basic shape and size. And even probably, we could say, weight. Like, it's enough that the pragmatic mind can hold and not feel like overweighted or out of balance with itself. Hmm. I mean, I think the pragmatic mind always objects a little bit to the, to the supposition of something that transcends their ability to comprehend it currently without being impossible to comprehend. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like if they have to believe... Like pra pragmatics tend to default to the position that um, things that look like they can't be known simply cannot be known, and that's why they use yeah. the pragmatic definition of truth. Dude, totally. And wouldn't you say that like, what, what ultimately kind of reorients once you datalogically align is there's like kind of a deeper grounding that pragmatics can have, mm -hmm. but not in the way that most people would pragmatically assert. Exactly. Like you can dude. only be Absolutely. so pragmatic about like a small uh, hierarchy of values that plugs into the transcendent layer of reality without over embellishing its, uh, its edges. Mm-hmm. Which is why I geometrically represent it as a octahedron. Like I don't know, I think that's. I'm thinking <laughs> I'm probably going to include that as a diagram in the new, the new paper. I think it would be helpful. You should do me. You should work specifically for like filling out because I want more more of our diagrams in the paper in the new new version of the paper. Yeah, man. You should yeah. work. You should work on churning a couple of them out in the new. I need to this week. I'm, that's why I'm like just trying to get some memes and quotes and whatnot out to get mm -hmm. the old creative juices flowing yeah no uh, doubt because i it's i do hit like weird dry spells where i'm just like i'm oh, either dude, I'm, I'm like that most of the time with motivation i just can't do it <laughs> we we have to figure that part of ourselves out because it yeah. is a drag man i know it's like i'm the most disobedient son of a bitch man <laughs> even to ourselves right yeah, especially to myself, man. I don't have to listen to me. It's me. Yeah, I can, yeah I'm a dumbass. What am I talking yeah. about? Why should Just I have to? Yeah. yeah. It's such a funny dichotomy to have internally. Yeah, man. Oh, God. Yeah, dude, I'll definitely work on some more diagrams and whatnot because those are always meditatively fruitful in just the formalizing of it with you. Definitely. Hey, you know what you should also do? Mm -hmm. You should try to get uh, the the other guy who makes the integral theory diagrams. Yeah. You should collaborate with him to make one that is like fine-tuned to our idea, even if he doesn't really want to. You should just try to get him to. I think I need to, man. I, uh, but because... I really do think that you need to be there because he's really logical. It's okay. Just, uh, yeah, I'm we not... can do that. We I should definitely getting... organize that. I'm too metaphoric when it comes to how I have to express Invite, a lot of this. You should be inviting people to this server, dude. I'm going to do this. Because this is where they can talk to me. Like, it's not somewhere where I have to, like, where I can delay and delay and delay responding, you know what I mean? <laughs> Definitely. Because I'm the yeah. worst. We both know I'm the worst. Yeah, you, you're good at that. Good at being yeah. the worst. I don't know how I do it. I'm just like, nah. I'll do it tomorrow, and then tomorrow goes on endlessly, so... It's magnif magnificent procrastination, if, yeah, if I've ever seen it's, some. 
Uh, yeah, it's unparalleled, I would say. Unparalleled. Oh, dude, I think, you know, it's because, uh, hearkening back. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, sorry, guy. Okay. Well, yeah, hearkening back to when you first shared almost like the, the flat evaluation of a multiversal perspective, how mm-hmm. there's no real reason to hold the current universal construct that we inhabit higher than any other. Yep. When you were able to share that kind of vantage point with me, it, it communicated more in terms of intuition and that visceral connection to the whole structure of DM theory than almost any other points early in the, you know, I guess, coming to terms with these ideas for me personally. When you shared that with me, I was like, oh, yeah. I forgot that we could sit up there like that because it's, <laughs> it's, it's very above the concerns of human, uh, well, just human concerns. It, it, there's not yeah. a lot <laughs> that can scream. Oh, dude, I swear I've you. heard you make that exact stumble before. Yeah. <laughs> go, go on. Tell me more. No, I just think I'm almost certain in one of our previous recordings, you like, uh, like approach the end of your sentence the same way with the term human concern. And then you like do the exact same thing as you just did then. Oh man, that's good to hear. <laughs> you're, you're catching my patterns then. Yeah, dude. Which, it, I mean, when you really boil down to it, like you can, you can start to see how you yourself, I myself become this repetitious pattern algorithm. Not so free as we thought. Uh, I mean, we're, we've thing. been swapping the uh, our ideas of what the algorithm is for quite a while now. I'm I'm starting to feel a a very familiar repetition with it, though, mm-hmm. where it's not boring. It never gets boring. Oh, dude, I know, right? It's always because I. It's like a movie that you love that you rewatch and you keep gaining new folds into what it means it's like a movie that you watch that's shot from a different angle or with a different character every time there you go that's even better i love that way of thinking about it and every character like you eventually come down to more and more detailed uh perspectives within the environment the best fucking set of movies ever wouldn't like it, a movie you, where you could watch like all of the different characters' point of view through the whole movie. Yeah. And it keeps resetting to where you ultimately get to like an ant's point of view. Or yeah, dude, that would be so dope. Something within nature watching the same event and just moving on with its life and then hitting fast forward to like I don't know, the end of the universe. <laughs> yeah, no, after you've looked at it from every angle, it just, like, it resets, and then it's, like, it zooms out a little bit and goes kind of quickly, and all of a sudden something comes along and blows up our solar yeah, system, and exactly. then the story swaps to something else. Yeah, the sun just expands to the orbit of the Earth and on into another galaxy to find a new movie to make. Yeah, dude. It's interesting. And to see that explosion be maybe something like panspermia or something like that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> It'd be fun. I agree, yeah, definitely. Hmm. So you're talking about pataphysics, right? Yes, and that is definitely something that I, I, I catch pataphysical misdeeds, if you will, uh, like a bloodhound. Mm-hmm. And... This so would the be thing, like Shadow Snark, for instance. Shadow Snark, anything that has um, some aspect of our psyche that is still shadowed from our conscious ability to admit or acknowledge. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that's a great definition. It's pretty straightforward right there. And I haven't thought that yet, so that felt nice. Mm-hmm. Um, as I was sharing with Harmony, that my kind of distillation of what that whole... Uh, last video that you just posted to YouTube. Um, I said, what I catch people doing is instead of looking down at the ground, they look up into their imagination and start postulating why Mm -hmm. it is that you can't be standing where you're standing because they're not standing there. And that would, at least in the Paragon, if we assign any kind of charity to their position, 
if they're engaged in a genuine dialectic. They're on an outer uh, point, maybe the top point, maybe the left or right point. But they're not inside the paragon with you. And let's just say, body-wise, your feet are on the bottom with data logic, your head is at the top. And that's the ability to be pataphysically aware of yourself or the metacognitive in psychological terms to uh -huh. think about your thinking in an accurate and deductive way so that you can look in any direction and see where a person is comporting their arguments from and then essentially keep trying to pull them by the ankles because that's where your hands are essentially pull them down to stand on the ground with you. They won't be on data logic, but they'll be in some presuppositional nonsense that is at least looking at you eye to eye because you are according them all the dignity and respect that human to human interaction should. It's just, mm -hmm. this happens to be one that is, uh, the axioms are not just self-proven, if you follow the spiral of logic in the exercise that you're presenting, it, it really just does. It does something that only a shut down imagination can accept. So you have to go third eye blind. You can't imagine a new postulate as to why data logic isn't. You have to law of mm -hmm. excluded middle it essentially. Yeah, and yeah, you have to, you have to check and like really check and mm -hmm. say okay it turns out not you know you can actually like work out an answer to this specific question well if if you can then you're it's just going to dig what we all are conceiving as data logic mm -hmm. deeper into a more truthful absolute yeah space. yeah that's exactly that's exactly my point is like like you, you just have to get them to actually take seriously what you're saying and walk through it, right? Because when you do, it's actually undeniable. You cannot refute it. it, it I've never seen anybody do it, even actually come close. It, like the central points are so. They just. It is almost the pinnacle of ridiculous behavior to try to oppose the central tenets of DM theory. I, I think that's a fair like, way to put it. It's just so ridiculous because it's such there's such basic uh, axioms like mm -hmm. data exists and logic exists in the sense that I define them. Yeah. You just can't argue with me. It cannot be done. You know it, what I mean? <laughs> it cannot be done. And I think the more that we bring humor into that space and levity and try to make jokes that are... Um, I, I'm I'm thinking there's going to be a blend between like the profundity of wisdom and the just slapstick dick and fart joke humor of adolescence or something <laughs> like that. Like there's going to be some magical vibration that happens in the way that oh dude, actually, vibration, eh? Yeah. The, so let me <laughs> share a a different way of looking at what I mean by that. Mm -hmm. Shoot, what's the name of it? It's a different type of flow of water where it looks like it's frozen. Uh, it is called laminar flow or laminar, L-A-M-I-N-A-R flow. And it basically just looks like if it's water coming out of a pipe, it looks like the water is frozen. But you could put your hand under it and uh, the water moves as regular. It's a really interesting, so it looks like a static image of water but it's a video <laughs> interesting yeah if you look at it it's it's that's what i mean by vibration it's like it's not i mean it is ostensibly in physics like that but maybe that would be the overlap of static dynamic what we can tap into with an actual you're talking state. about you're talking about vibration. I don't know why yeah. vibration is the correct word though. It isn't. I don't like the word either. It it makes me get um. Like what you mean is like. What would you say? Um. Accordance, probably. I mean, accordance or alignment is my preferred uh, default. But one thing that happens with me, probably because I'm creative, is I get 
uh, a little bit of I, a meme. Yeah, I get a little bored and sometimes. It, injecting, the same injecting new age bullshit into it. <laughs> sometimes, maybe that's uh, yeah. Just put some nonsense in there because I'm tired of saying the correct thing or something like that. That's an interesting one. It's a weird one. It's a, a trickster joker thing to do. Well, it's also yeah. like you can justify it as kicking the tires. That's how Chris always justifies it. Like, uh, really, I know he's just maiming. He's just maiming. It's fun. <laughs> you know, talk some fucking shit about the thing we both think is true. Because he knows that I'll, I'll fight with him about it. Yeah. I like the way you guys fight about it, too. You guys still yeah. have all the fire as, like, as you've it's fun, had since I first met you guys. Yeah, we both have fun doing it. It's like a little bit of a game, competitive enterprise. (laughs) Even if, like, that's one of of the games we play is, okay, we both know that the thing we're arguing about is ridiculous. One of us is just definitely right. But Mm -hmm. let's argue about it to see who can use rhetoric better. That's what I want to try and start doing too, because ultimately I think that's going to be a lot of the fun of what uh, data logic can kind of open our our minds up into is like how can we use it's like chess essentially like how can we play this game as creatively as possible and get each other in checkmate faster and faster if you if you focus on like uh staying consistently data logical you basically guarantee yourself the checkmate win yes yeah and it's like how well can you move towards the checkmate because even if data logic centers you on checkmate if they play their cards right you stalemate if you play your cards totally. really badly, maybe they even win. Dude, that is a really good way to think of it. You know what the shadow does too? And this is something mm-hmm. I picked up from uh, Mr. Nobody, the movie. Um, Zugzwang. It's a move in chess where the only move is to not move. And it's. You can't, you can't not move in chess. It's it, look up Zugzwang. I forget the actual rules of it, but it's it's like where that's the only move because if you were to move, it puts you in danger or something. It's a situation. Or puts you in check. It's a situation. Yeah. So it's probably a very rare time where it's applicable. What? But just you can't pass. I don't think you can pass, but I think that it it it's a I weird don't type understand. of. It's ge- it's German. Is it German chess? Is I think it it's just a weird type of stalemate is what it kind of amounts to. No, but like... You can't... pass. <laughs> How do, Are you looking it up right now? Yeah. So does it have anything about like... It doesn't say anything about the fact that you can't pass. Does it have any situation of like where, you know, your king is in this position and their the opponent's pieces are arranged in a way that if you were to move in any position, maybe you have only one move and the one move that you could move into puts you in check or checkmate. Mm. So you d- the only thing you can do is not move. Because you can't move into check or checkmate. Let me see. It's a, it's a very rare thing, I think. Rare situation. Like I'm thinking oh, maybe... okay. No, 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 no. Zugzwang means when the player who is, has to move can't do anything without making an important concession. So, for instance, okay. if you're using your king to defend a piece... And you have been put in such a position where you you can move, but to move you like to do what you have to do, um, you have to like step away from the the only thing you've got left, Ooh. which means you're giving it up basically. Yeah, that's that's the position I find most precepts in, ninety five percent of the time. Zugzwang mm-hmm. would like. They can't because it would be... That's interesting. Right? It's a really good example. It's a very chess example for sure. Chess nerd example. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that would be how I characterize the way that people are interfacing with uh, 
their arguments and deem theories position. Because one way or another, we do attach to our identities and our egos and the things that have led us to survive our experience, the wisdom we've accumulated, so on and so forth. But mm-hmm. ultimately, like the there's a Bible passage coming to mind about like, uh, I don't even know if it's a passage, but maybe just a mix of all these Bible ideas that you can get into the kingdom of heaven things behind, all things behind. Uh, what is it? The rich man through the eye of a needle type idea. It's something along the lines of if you can sacrifice everything, your family, your identity, your job, your bank account, in terms of concepts, you don't actually have to physically do any of this, but just make all of that stuff irrelevant. Everything that's important to your identity, put that aside for the sake of a genuine dialectic, you will come to a datalogical position, whether you like it or not. But if you can't do that, you're zug swinging in some way because you just, there's some question that you have as to whether or not you can or should or shouldn't give up the packets of information that you're still clinging to. Yeah, I get you, man. So, yeah, that's my, that's my basic take on that whole conversation because it's perfectly understandable as far as I can tell. And I do think what you're talking about in terms of the transcendent being capable of at least reducing to the neurochemistry and hallucination mechanisms of the human brain, uh, I don't see how that's controversial or um, not at least a nice basis to start the conversation from. If it doesn't end up being that or if it ends up being that plus something else, the dialectic will reveal that. But you can at least um, constrain the parameters of what the conversation kind of needs to be concerned with by keeping it in that field rather than often to, well, I got the Emerald Tablets of Thoth and uh, I channeled the, uh, what is it? machine elves and any number of type visionary states that people get into where they start to unnecessarily unnecessarily attach what they've experienced which is transcendental as fuck and what in some ways have resulted in an enlightened point of view uh those things are very hard to take away from people without them going, but I experienced it. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think, um, you know, it's kind of like, it's the classic blindness of emotional attachment, you know? Mm. Yeah, dude, we, we mentioned that last time, huh? Of course, yeah. So yeah, I guess that's, I am pretty over-concerned on that point, because that might have been a place where I hung up for a long time, and I am trying to find a way to be gentle with emotions. I don't know why. Uh, I like to regard emotions as, as switches, but... Yeah, if I can find a way to, like, like, would you regard DM theory as, like, a, a harsh truth? Not at all. I don't think it is either. But there's something harsh about, like, embracing it. No, some there's, something, there's something harsh about saying to people, it's no longer permissible to have your delusions. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, what is it, um, Daniel Dennett? There's no polite way to tell someone they've dedicated their life to a Pretty much, delusion. man. Mm-hmm. Damn it, yeah. And I do think that's pretty true. I guess my over... 
over uh, focusing on politeness might be causing some obsession in me. It's because you're an agreeable son of a bitch. <laughs> I sure am, dude. <laughs> I'm going to work on some disagreeability, even if it's just make-believe for me. I'm going to try to pretend to be more disagreeable. That's the ticket, man. It is, right? You, you, you're actually holding it very tactfully, too, in my opinion. Because you do hold a, a non-perfect and achievable standard, because it's not like you don't lose your temper and uh, get short-tempered, essentially, with people. More than short-tempered. Sometimes I'm an outright dick. <laughs> yeah, outright dick and asshole or whatever. Like, some insult there. And, like, I look at that and I'm like, well, thank goodness for that. At least he's not, like, over here, Mr. Perfect, rubbing it in our face. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I think flaws are what make you human. I do, too. I really, really love that idea. Well, yeah, man, I think that's about all I got to say on the chat. That's okay. Um, we got anything else to talk about? We probably do. Yeah, I mean, we could move into uh, Reloaded and whatever. Mm -hmm. We can start to at least plan out some ideas there. And if you have any like specific ideas about what you'd like me to throw uh, images and graphics I would to. probably like a better... A version of the like maybe you could do um like uh, i don't know how to say it like <laughs> the paragon you know how it has the like yeah. sphere at the center yeah and if the sphere is like the data logical mm -hmm. constant because it's mm -hmm. the neutral data point which is like the subjective approximation of the data logical constant right like maybe totally. you could like make that distinction there and then like do another connected image right which is like you know how we have like this the uh three ringed circle for the omniverse you know what i mean yeah yeah remake that except more like a sphere yeah and um actually have like like make the sphere more descriptive in terms of like uh illustrating um what the realm entails in terms of like you know what i mean like symbolizing it in insofar as you're able the one at the very bottom? Well, like pataphysics, for instance, right? You can draw imaginary things. Right? Like, for instance, paradoxical objects. Yeah. And it's like, that's pretty clear. That actually makes a good example, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah. these are things that you can think of, but that don't make any, any actual sense, you know? Right, and I mean, you can even print them out, like with a 3D mm -hmm. printer, and have a physical yeah, object. Yeah, you can try and like like figure out how to symbolize like a pattern game. You know what I mean? So like, Dude. and in the sphere, you like we want to like make each of the realms sort of like signify the difference in phenomenology that we're talking about. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I think I think I'm following that. So let me see. I think that would that would be amazing, right? Because I definitely intend to use the diagram of the paragon. That's amazing, and I would love to work like a bit more closely on it to see if we can make any improvements because I love what you've done so far. Yeah. It would be it awesome if we could get yeah, it would be awesome if we could get a connected like diagram of the data logical constant as, you know, the uh thing that we already have done, the three ringed omniverse. Yeah. But as a sphere and much more descriptively uh designed. Dude, that'd be cool. I would love to do that. Uh let me see. Because, like, the 2D representation we have is really good. I love it. You know what I mean? Where we have yeah. the, the pixel and it, like, directly, like, details the inner structure. But, you know, like, it's a sphere, first of all. That is more accurate, you know? It is. Um, and it just seems, I don't know, it's hard to say, you know? But, like, it just seems more appropriate to have it. Yeah. Uh, Two, because 2D. pataphysics, like we said, right? It's, like, it's a hard-to-understand term. And... For people who are like you, who understand the world visually, we want to we want to make our visual metaphors clear. And I think the pataphysical objects, like you know, uh, like the, the Penrose yeah, triangle, like this, and... yeah, the self drawing hand, stuff like that. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like it's obvious. It is obvious what that is. Yeah. 
and that that really makes the point in terms of how we take mm-hmm. things and like that like yeah absolutely and then in metaphysics the metaphysical realm like we can figure out how to symbolize superstructures supersets you know what i mean like the thing yeah. that is like the underlying formula for everything else somehow being like the fount of potentiality or whatever you know i don't really know exactly what we're going to do for that but like the point is we can make like a good effort to just install like, as much as we can yeah yeah like yeah yeah make it intuitive what we mean as much as possible how would you fit um do you remember the like i i'd used the tree of life like diagram before uh mm-hmm. with the skeleton behind it and it's like in the um, Vitruvian man form. I, I called oh, yeah. it I think, reality mechanics or something like that. You'll have to, you'll have to send it to me. I don't quite remember. You, you said that it was spot on more recently. Oh, I think so. It's I the one where it's like up yeah. through the center. It shows yeah, data yeah, yeah. at the bottom yep. information. Yeah, we and, could work a little bit more on that and maybe integrate that with the Paragon structurally a bit more as well, don't you think? That's exactly what I think it is. Because when I was describing how your arguments are, I think that's what you're doing, and I, I'm almost certain that's what I'm doing. But mm-hmm, definitely. You're, you're doing something that is way less uh, complex than I think I am. Well, I think that there's like a lot of like gems that you get from the complexity that I don't access properly. Like, well, you don't even need the the complexity, is what it. Well, I mean, I suppose, but also like as someone who like I'm a writer, you know what I mean. I'm also yeah. a poet. Like, I like that element, and like people like you and David Moore are doing something that I'm just not quite capable of. You know, what I, I think mean? it's that we can court confusion. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it, man. That's really interesting. Like, we dance with our confusion in one way or another, and you, you don't dance, have... You dance with your demons, not for them, right? Right. And I'm not even sure that you would be enhanced by a dance like that. Like, I think it would it would just be like, that was nice, but I'm going to go sit back down. I don't know, and... man. I feel like if, if, for instance, if David Moore were a proponent of DM theory... Yeah, he would be powerful as well. He would be amazing. And if I could embody that a little bit more, I would love to. I think you do to the extent that when you at least go on a nice circumambulation of a topic, like your more human topics, let's say, mm-hmm. those seem to me to be what you are admiring and David Moore. And I don't think you're doing anything. Yeah, but he other can than do that. He can do that for the arcane. Oh, see, I haven't read enough of his stuff, actually. Oh, you should, dude. It's fucking I read great. one recently where I was like, oh, that was awesome. I forgot what it was about. Yeah, man. Oh, dude, I fucking often, when I, after I'm finished reading a piece of his, I'm like, this is just amazing. Like, it's so well written. Right. That's yeah, what he's it, like one of the best writers I've ever read. That's so cool to hear, man. I, I will give him more attention because I, I, every time I do stumble into Quora, like that's he's one of the ones that pops up you and him i'm keen to get him on the server he's just fucking patchy i mean he does work but you know yeah i'm sure that you make time like i i didn't think i was going to make as much time as i've been making but but that's that's the thing man it's been it's been so productive it really has i was like i'm listening to one of our other conversations just before um what do you think i think it's the one i left and then you and DM talked for a while. Oh yeah, dude. I I've been meaning to listen to that. I haven't. It, well, I haven't actually put have it up yet. It? So. Oh, okay, okay. Hmm. I I wanted to know how it came out actually because it, definitely I'm, it's one of these ones where. Well, see, I have I have like a bunch of recordings now, but we have a bunch up. So what I'm doing is I'm like releasing them much more slowly, so that even when we have lulls in terms of like like when I <clears throat> when I can't get on or when other people aren't recording and stuff like that. We still have stuff going up on the YouTube. Yeah, it's good, man. Gonna have like a hundred uploads like in a couple months. Yeah, dude, definitely. It's uh, it's so interesting though to me because what I've noticed in myself from listening to the last chat that we had about uh. Like faith and belief, and the I think it was the of belief. that one, yes. 
Yeah, that mm. one was fucking awesome. That one was so therapeutic for me, man, where I was like, I, after I realized that you put it up, I think I introverted a bit because I didn't come on for a bit. And <laughs> like, I was being, obviously, I was public with everything that I wanted to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also felt vulnerable or exposed when I listened to it. I'm like, oh shit, I didn't realize I was being so open or candid about certain things. And, because uh, <laughs> I just, I trust you and I trust like the way that we talk and there's just no reason for me to hold back. And yeah, I don't re- regret anything that I said, but it's just, oh wow. I'm, it was surprising, man. Yeah, surprising where I'm like, I'm being a real open book again. Because yeah, yeah. Once, once I got married, uh, to harmony it was like i started to learn to be less of an open book because i used to just spew shit to anyone who would listen and i didn't care if they were listening i just would talk now i have to be actually heard in order to continue talking otherwise i just don't bother it's weird like i turned off my open bookness and when i'm in the right mood with the right people the open book part of me comes right back out without me realizing it so, yeah, that was one of those realizations that I had just from listening to our old video or one of our uploads. Yeah, dude, absolutely. I think, like, uh, like they're excellent in terms of, <laughs> of being... Go away! <laughs> Stop it! Ah, she's that... whiffing me with shit. She, wants, like me back. To, she wants me to get up so we can go shopping. No, you should. Um, nah, man. God damn it. I I encourage you to spend as much time with her as you possibly can. (sighs) I'll throw a penny. Alright, man. You guys are throwing coins at each other? Nah, I threw a pen at her because she's whipping me with shit. You don't bite me, god damn. Alright, man. Hi, uh, brother. I might go. Yeah, you have a good night or what day, whatever it is for you. I. It, it is evening, 4.30 in the afternoon. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, and I've got 12% battery left, so we're good, man. <laughs> Alright, dude. Dude, take care. <laughs> Catch you later, man. Later. <laughs>